1: Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. I'm Dan Thomas, joined by Ali Moreno and Stevie Nicker. We'll kick things off in Commonwealth World Cup qualifying. Brazil taking on Argentina. So many talking points from this game. The first, of course, the fact it was delayed by 20 minutes during the national anthem. We saw the Argentinian fans uh, fall out, to say the least, uh, with the Brazilian police. Messi would lead the team off the field. He then lead them back. To what was a horrible, scrappy game. In the end, Otamendi's goal in the 63rd minute proving to be the difference. Joel Linton be sent off late on, a questionable red card there, but history in the making as it's the first time that Brazil have ever lost a home World Cup qualifier. Now this is what Messi had to say about what we saw pre-match. Now, we saw how they, the police, were hitting people and many players had family members in that area. We couldn't focus on playing the game. This also happened here in the Copa Libertadores. Uh, again, repressing the people with sticks. There could have been a disaster when everything calmed down. We decided to ask how everyone was, and then we went out. Right, for more on this, ESPN's international correspondent, Gustavo Hoffman, Hoffman is with us. We also welcome, first time to the show as well, South American correspondent, Tim Vickery. Tim, you are at the stadium. How could, how could they let this happen again, I suppose, is the question.
2: Well, you know, some of the greatest evenings in my life have been spent in the stadiums watching Brazil versus Argentina in World Cup qualification. We journos, we love saying, I was there when history was made, and I was there when history was made last night, with Brazil losing their first ever World Cup qualifier. But I don't carry away any good memories, either from what we saw on the field or from what we saw in the stands afterwards. I think there are, there are two clear problems. One was of event management, an extraordinary decision taken by the organisers to have no segregation between the fans of Brazil and the fans of Argentina. It is so easy in the maracanã Stadium to segregate away fans. It's so easy to do. They took the decision not to do it. They were warned. The The Federation of uh, the Rio Football Federation warned them about this. Uh, Brazil's National Association of, of Organised Fan Groups warned them about this. They didn't heed the warnings. So during the national anthems, there's conflict between the two groups of fans. Now, I think that was a conflict that could easily have been solved by a line of police just separating the two supporters, instead of which we had problem number two, which was the baton charge of by Brazil's military police attacking the Argentina supporters. Now, this had all sorts of consequences, blood all over the place, uh, people injured, and also the Argentine fans uh, reacting, throwing those yellow seats into the night air and retreating. And obviously we all know, the real danger of the football stadium is you've got so many people in such a restricted amount of space. How many times do we need to learn this dreadful lesson? Because with the Argentina fans retreating, you had Brazil supporters in the corner who had nothing to do with any fighting. They're worried about being caught up in it. They're worried about mm. being caught up in a crush, And so many of them are diving over the crash barriers onto the field, and it, it did look like a very, very nasty situation. And I think that whole brutish mood extended for the course of the evening.
1: Yeah, that was, that was the problem then for what happened on the pitch, wasn't it, Stevie, and the fact that that started it off, and then the first half was just horror. It was just about survival, it seemed. What's it like to be involved in that sort of environment?
3: Well, it, it's, it's tense. Yeah. Everybody's on pins, and so regardless of what may happen, everybody's just waiting to react. And so that's why we end up with a game that's just full of fouls, confrontation, people falling over. Just, just everybody on on edge. And you could actually feel it sitting watching it. yes, You could feel it. So I can't imagine how tense it must have been around the stadium, but certainly on the field. I mean, this, that, this was, this was uh, running the clock back 25 years ago when when teams were allowed to just be physical with each other and both sides were trying to but because of the way the game's played today they, there was some sort of restraint I mean a lot of the fouls were just stupid Iniggly, niggly yeah. stupid things because they, they know that they can't really turn around and just kick somebody and think they're not going to get sent off But yeah, the tension was, yeah, you could feel it big time.
1: Ali, you must have been involved in these sort of South American qualifying games that have this sort of tension. What's it like on the pitch when you realize this is what's going to be happening?
4: Well, it depends on what kind of player you are. If you are a guy like Lionel Messi, you feel out of place. You're like, wait a second. This is now about a fight. This is very little about playing. We come into this match thinking, okay, well, uh, how much of a difference is Julian Alvarez going to make for Argentina or Lionel Messi going to make for Argentina? What kind of difference is Gabriel Jesus going to make for Brazil? Is Rodrigo going to be able to play the role that they want him to play and need him to play in order to score goals and create chances? Yeah, the name of the game was neither Rodrigo, Gabriel Jesus, Lionel Messi, or Julian Alvarez. The name of the game was Rodrigo De Paul. It was a Rodrigo De Paul experience, a Rodrigo De Paul special. He played right into his hands and extended to the whole Argentina team. Because who's more comfortable playing this sort of game? Yeah. Argentina. This is what's very interesting about this group of players is that they can outplay you. But if it gets down to a fight, they can outfight you too. And a guy like Rodrigo de Paul was the picture of this game of the 50 50 challenge, of the hands in the face, of the niggly fouls, of the slowing down the play and frustrating Brazil, and then a yellow car here and a red car there. All of it without rhythm, all of it without quality per se. It was much more about how do we win this game by doing all the other things. And all the other things, Argentina does much better than Brazil. It's it's in the nature of the Argentina footballer to play this way when need be. When you need to get down and dirty, they can do that with the best of them in South America, whereas for Brazil, I suppose they can get down and dirty, but it takes away from what they do or try to do naturally and in the end took away for what they could do offensively on the field. And
1: that was it, wasn't it, Gustavo? There was no real response that we saw from Brazil.
5: Exactly, exactly. Uh, from the beginning, from, from everything, that, everything that we saw in the stands, Brazil, the, and you know, Brazil, if we compare to the last matches, Brazil played a little bit better than in the other matches. In the first half, for example, with this fight on the field, Brazil uh, sustained a high pressure uh, didn't let Argentina create so many chances in the offense. In the second half, they had a chance with Martinelli, but all the time, all the time, the Brazilian players were two tens, two tens. Uh, tense. shouldn't have received the red card in the second half, but in the first half, in my opinion, Rafinha should have received the second yellow card and then the red card. So the Brazilian players were two tens from the beginning. And as Ali has said, the Argentinian players know to deal with this situation. And they had a leader on the field, Lionel Messi, who guided them to the locker room, who guided them back to the field, and who guided them, even injured, on the field. And Rodrigo De Paul was, all, was obviously the man of the match. He took, he took care of everything around him on the midfield. So uh, for Brazil, this kind of match, Brazil doesn't like to play this kind of match, but the, the tension around the stadium, the tension with everything that is happening in Brazil. Brazil didn't lose three matches, three official matches in a row since 2001. So the pressure now over everybody on the Brazilian team is too high. And what we saw on the stands, uh, it was a shame for Brazil, for the country. It was a real shame for the country. And... The brutality that we saw uh, by the officers, by the police, by the police guys in the, the stands, by the military police in the stands, uh, is something that the poor population of Rio de Janeiro is used to. Uh, of course, that today the whole world is showing these images, and everybody is shocked. But uh, in Rio. The people in favelas, the people, the poor people of Brazil, of Rio de Janeiro, notice brutality. And, and unfortunately, unfortunately, it's uh, we can't even imagine to put Argentinian fans and Brazilian fans all together. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it's sad to say that, but you can't do. So it's unbelievable that the Brazilian Football Confederation, that the police in Rio, that the authorities related to the match, they thought that it would be a good idea. So, it was a real, real, real shame for Brazil.
1: Tim, what happened to VAR?
5: <laughs> uh,
2: well, personally, I'd, I'd, I'd like the whole thing to be scrapped. In the- no, <laughs> we're not, no, a- not today, Tim, not today. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's for another show.
1: Where was the angle that Joel Linton had hit De Paul in the face?
2: Yeah. Yeah, for, well, just one. just for starters, start with Joel. Don't start with Joe. If you start with Joel, it'll all fall into place. It's Linton, <laughs> not Joe Linton. Uh very, very unfortunate. Really, really unfortunate. Um you, you, you see him like turning his elbow, and I can understand why the ref gave the decision, but surely Var should have overturned it. But I I'd, I'd agree with with Gustavo. Um, that Brazil were a little bit lucky, perhaps, with Hafinha and maybe with Gabriel Jesus as well, not to have picked up a pair of yellows in the first uh, in the first half. Both were on a yellow. There were fouls from both of them. I, I think a, a much worse example of of the hand in the face of Depaul from Gabriel Jesus when he was on a yellow, and that's a little bit a part of the way that Brazil had to approach this game. And Brazil have a have a very interesting coach, Fernando Diniz. But he's just merely taking this job, supposedly on a stand-in basis, while they're waiting for Carlo Ancelotti. He's been a little bit caught up in his own hubris, and he's he, he's, he's never going to do things the conventional way. He's going to go bold. And they went with a line of four yesterday, You know, Jaffina, Rodrigo, Gabriel Jesus, and Martinelli. That means there's not a lot of elaboration going on. There's not a lot of midfield to elaborate. So. How did Brazil plan this game? Remembering, of course, as Gustavo mentioned, that they've just come off two defeats in World Cup qualification. Never happened before. This in front of their own fans. Their method, they can't elaborate. They don't have the midfield the, or, or the, the quality in the fullbacks to elaborate. It's a furious press, really furious press. They've got good, quick centre-backs. They can play a very high line. So this furious press, but it brought cards. And it raised the ante, and I think uh, in the, the the already perturbed environment of the stadium, they went too far. It, it, it was it was one of those games, and sometimes you get this in derby games. It's all heat and no light. and I think that's what Brazil were 24 hours ago.
1: Is this Tim? You've obviously been in Brazil for a long time. Is this the worst team you've ever seen?
2: They were pretty poor. For some of the qualifiers for the 2002 World Cup, which they ended up winning, I think during the course of that campaign they used something like 66 players, and there were times when they were so desperate they they, they would uh, they would have loved to have used 66 uh, all in one go and hope the referee didn't notice. Um, <laughs> they are in 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 real problems at the moment, but this time six teams go through, with the seventh going into a playoff. There are some easier games coming along but there is a long long wait now the 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 world cup qualification campaign doesn't resume until september so th- wow. there's a long long wait while they're looking at that table down in sixth place below ale moreno's venezuela that in brazil ale that's is right. going down that's right as a historic right. humiliate humiliation but what we don't know is what's going to happen with the coaching situation um we expect And Gustavo there is our man in Madrid who maybe can shed some light on this. Uh, Brazil hope that Carlo Ancelotti will take over. Um, He is not free to enter into an arrangement with someone until January, when he's in the last six months of his Real Madrid contract. If, if, If it isn't Ancelotti, I don't know. What, is, what, 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 uh, what they're going to do. There is a crisis in Brazilian coaching. Uh, it's going to be awkward for Ancelotti anyway because there's a lot of resistance towards the idea of a foreign coach. But his his uh, welcome will be much warmer, I think, because of these three consecutive defeats and Brazil really in, in, in problems there in sixth, down in sixth place, below Venezuela in the table.
1: <laughs> Gustavo, here we go. Right, let's keep this simple. What is the percentage chance? Do you think that come September when World Cup qualifying returns that Carlo Ancelotti will be in charge of this Brazil side?
5: For the next match in the World Cup qualifiers, man, I have to admit that my my, my personal percentage was a little bit higher some weeks ago. Now I would say 60%. 60% because uh, the, the info that we have, from inside CBF, by sources, is that the Brazilian Football Confederation has uh, the yes from Carlo Ancelotti, that he will be the manager after the European season. But there is nothing signed. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, One person who I talked to uh, from the technical technical staff who was yesterday in the match, they told me there is nothing signed. And you know how it's football. The things change. The things really change from one day to the other. So Real Madrid now, maybe for the next season, will try to to push for Mbappe again. They have a very new team, a young team with players who have just signed a long long contracts. here in Madrid, people are already talking about the possibility of a new contract to Carlo Ancelotti. So, and I really, I really agree with this phrase. Things in football change from one day to the other. You mm. can't. The, the, between Carlo Ancelotti and CBF, there is just there are just words. There is nothing signed. CBF really expects and believes that Carlo Ancelotti will be the manager. That's why they don't even think about changing Fernando Diniz now. Brazil will have next year two friendly matches in March against England uh, at Wembley and against uh spain here at santiago bernabeu this is gonna be a very interesting match because of carlo ancelotti then brazil has another two friendlies right before copa america and then copa america will carlo ancelotti be the manager at copa america will he ever be the brazilian national team manager these are these are questions that i think that we're gonna have we must have the answer at least the Brazilian Football Confederation must have the answer at January. And why am I saying January? Because in January, you can already sign a contract with Caro Ancelotti. Real Madrid will need to know who's going to be the manager for the next season also. So I think that around January, February, we're going to have answers. I remember some weeks ago, around four weeks ago, I was at the press conference for a match at La Liga. And Carol was. it was right after the other the other match that uh, the national teams played when Carlo Ancelotti went to Parma to receive a doctor master a master's degree and when he came back here to Madrid he was asked at the press conference about that about if he's gonna, he's gonna be or not the Brazilian manager and he said there are too many rumors soon you're gonna know the truth we're waiting if you're Carlo Ancelotti are you having second thoughts Stevie no
3: <laughs> well, let's be honest. I mean, do you really think that, come the end of the qualifiers, that Brazil is not going to make it? They're not going to be below Venezuela for uh, the whole time. Oh okay. no! Exa- no,
4: exactly. All right. Yeah, that's all right. All so,
3: right. So from the coach's point of view, you look at the talent and you say, right. Well, I mean, really, what I've got to do is figure out the best system and the best combinations. Right. And that's it, that, because you've got the talent. I mean, we can, we can sit and argue that they haven't played well, but, but look at the talent that they have. So it's about picking the right players and having the right organisation and the right set-up, whether it's 4-3-3 or whatever you want to do. I mean, for a coach like Ancelotti, it's like, in some ways, it's a no-brainer. You've got right. a, you've got a team with this amount of talent who are desperate for somebody to, to sort them out. He comes He's in as the savior. He's going to go in there and turn
4: it all around. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. And it's a change of pace for him. It's something different. And how difficult is it now, at this point in his career, for Carlo Ancelotti to do something different, something that he hasn't done before as a manager? This would be something different. And, mind you, a challenge, again. At this point in his career, where is there a challenge for Carlo Ancelotti? What is it that he hasn't achieved? Well, coaching the the national team, and not only any national team, but Brazil, in the situation that they're in right now, yes, he comes in with a guy with all the answers. I think this is honestly not only a good opportunity for Carlo Ancelotti, but a win-win for him. No matter what happens here, he's going to come in, and I think he's going to have a positive impact. At the very least, at the very least, these players, when Carlo Ancelotti walks into that into that locker room, they're listening. They're paying attention because players talk, and Sovini and Rodrigo will get in the ear of everybody else, and he said, no, 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 look, hey, Uncle Carlo, knows, he knows what he's doing. Right. right? He's the guy, and he has this cr- built-in credibility that – Will demand the very best from players. Is that, does that mean that they, it translates into them winning everything and anything there is to win? I don't know. But I do think that Carlo Ancelotti is certainly an upgrade to whatever they got going on now. I
3: think, just as we were talking there, I was thinking about Carlo Ancelotti looks the coolest, calmest dude in town, doesn't he? Oh, I'm not sure if dude sounds like well, right coming out of your mouth. All right, okay. <laughs> Guy. <laughs> <laughs> And then you look at Denise on the yeah, sidelines. Yeah, he looks yeah, ill. Yeah, he looks yeah. as though he's going to have a heart attack at any second. He looks as though when he goes into the dressing room, he's going to be, like, all over the shop. And, right. I mean, you talk about the complete opposite.
1: Hey, Perfect. hey, Tim, how is Neymar feeling, do you think, eh? Considering the rocky relationship he's had with the Brazilian fans over the years where he's been blamed for everything, they can't blame him for this. He go, ha, ha, ha look at this now.
2: No, it's a, it's a, I tell you, it's a tough crowd to play in front of. Brazil crowd especially in in the Maracanã um towards the end they are they're enjoying themselves booing their own team uh oles to the with, with with the passes you know every argentina pass fernando diniz did not like that at all it's a tough crowd you know and uh, if brazil really get in trouble in world cup qualification then that crowd can 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 be an impediment more than an advantage Um, Many people in Brazil have said, we don't need Neymar in the national team anymore. Get rid of him. Mm. Well, they haven't been doing particularly well in his absence. That bad injury that he suffered early in the game against Uruguay uh, and matters really didn't improve. That was a dreadful, dreadful performance. Colombia, fantastic story there. Luis Diaz the week after his father was released from kidnapping, playing in effectively his home stadium in front of his own people. Um, Brazil won up early. Luis Diaz trying and trying and trying. And it looks like it's going to be a frustrating time for him. And then he, he, he comes good with those two goals. You know? But in that game, Luis Diaz alone had 10 shots or headers on goal. Colombia had something like 22-23. Now, that was against the Brazil side that for all of that time were winning and then briefly drawing. And if you're allowing that many shots on goal, you're not playing football, you're playing a lottery. And this is a side, remember, in the World Cup, it was very, very hard for the opposition to even get a Mm. shot on Brazil's goal. You remember how little Alisson had to do? Now, he had very little to do last night, but that hasn't been the case in the other games. And if you look at the table, the only sides who've conceded more goals than Brazil so far are the bottom two. Who are the fans blaming, Tim? Um... They'll, they'll blame anyone and everyone in a, in a yellow shirt. Uh, thankfully, I don't think one specific villain has been picked out yet because that can be very, very cruel. And I remember watching Brazil at home to Argentina in the Maracanã just before the 1998 World Cup. And the crowd was so vicious. That I don't know if you remember Hai. Hey who was the captain at the start of 94. He lost his place during the course of that campaign, a legend at Paris Saint-Germain. That game took him out of the, of the 1998 World Cup because the crowd just absolutely turned on him. Thankfully, they didn't appoint one villain yesterday. And I think that's, that, that's good news because they can be so, so cruel. And I think Brazil benefit enormously, really, from this time that they have to regroup no World Cup qualifiers until September. They're at home to Ecuador. Difficult opponents. Very, very physically strong Ecuador. Difficult opponents. But Brazil will hope to beat them at, uh, at home. And then away to Paraguay. Now, Paraguay, they've only scored one goal. Um, they haven't managed to get in Cesar of Brighton fit. Almirón has been injured. If they get the pair of them back... And firing, then maybe Paraguay will supply more of a threat. But certainly Brazil will think that September's games are easier than what they've had to put up with in the last few days.
1: Uh, Just a reminder, Argentina actually won the game uh, by one goal to nil. What was interesting was Coloni's comments after the game about his future. This is what he had to say. I need to think a lot about what I'm going to do. This isn't goodbye or anything, but I need to think because the bar is really high and it's complicated to continue, it's complicated to keep winning. Tim, what's this about?
2: Reminds me a little bit of Marcelo Bielsa. When he was Argent and Bielsa absolutely flying with Uruguay now, they probably look, I think, the best team in the continent at the moment. But when Bielsa was coach of Argentina um, back in 2004, at a moment of triumph when they just won the Olympic gold medal, Bielsa said, I feel drained. I don't have the energy. I'm going to resign. And Scaloni's comments were very similar. He said, we, "Argentina needs a coach who's working on on full battery. I'm feeling drained. Now it has been an intense few months with games September, October, November. So Scaloni has has some time now with only the friendlies in March, a Copa America in June and July. Um, I understand there might be some strains with the Argentine FA, which is is not the most efficient body in the world. You also wonder if we're beginning to see the end." Of the Lionel Messi era, uh, he was clearly nowhere near fully fit yesterday. Nowhere near, and he was off uh, having having treatment uh, around the groin area for, for a fair while um, during the, in in the first half. Played a very conservative game uh, as 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 a kind of leader with first time passes, but it wasn't it wasn't the Messi that the Maracanã, I think that many even Brazil supporters had had expected to see. And Argentina substituted him with 15 minutes to go. I don't think that's ever happened. You take Messi off when you've got a vital game still with the result not defined. And very much, and remember, Scaloni got the job in 2018. Really for one reason. He was cheap. Argentina had just sacked Jorge Sampaoli, who was on a long-term contract. They had to pay him off. Scaloni was around. He was, he was a caretaker. All right, we'll, we'll get him. And Scaloni's real achievement over these last few years... Has been to house Messi in a collective context. Uh, Messi has been integrated into the team, and you saw this in the Copa America of 2019. The big change—it was a—it a, a, was a Messi who'd become a leader, a talkative, encouraging Messi who who wasn't intimidating the other players with it, with his silence and aloofness. Uh, and, and so, really, over the last few years, it's been the Messi Scaloni project. We're coming to the, to the end. We have to accept this. We're coming to the end of, of, of the Messi era. I wonder if this uh, means the end of the Scaloni era as well.
1: Well, Gustavo, why don't Messi just be the manager?
2: <laughs> yeah, cut okay. out the middleman.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Gustavo, do you think we're going to see him continue, Scaloni? I think so. I think so. I don't think he's going to leave. It was a very tough match, a very tense uh, match. I don't think he's going to leave. He's doing a great job, a great job. Argentina now is one of the strongest teams uh, in the world. So I don't think, I really don't think that he's going to leave.
4: Yeah, the, the, the issue here, though, is that nobody asked him the question. Th- this was not prompted by a question. Did you enjoy the game? Oh, I'm very tired. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's pretty much that's pretty much how it came up. It's, it, it wasn't a direct question of, about your continuity with the national team and what's next for the national team. No, no, he, almost, he just kind of put it out there. And he's kind of like, wait, what? I thought we were talking about this game. Well, apparently, we're not. Now we're talking about Scaloni and what his future, future may be and what his plans may be for that future. I think it's along the lines of what Tim was saying, is recognizing that you jump ahead of the curve, of the Messi curve. How long is Messi gonna be around with this national team? And does Messi have enough to go on all the way to 2026? And what kind of version of Messi are we gonna have in 2026? And is saying, I don't wanna go through that transition because I don't wanna deal with that issue. I don't wanna find the, the answer that nobody have found an answer just yet. We've depended on this guy, now that he moves on, what do I do? I think this is Copa America and goodbye for Lionel Scaloni. But aye, because
3: is this is this the same team without Messi because because of the way they play for Messi? Mm. So if you if you pull on the plug, is everybody just gonna to down tools? Right. Because clearly every single person that plays with him runs through a brick wall for him. Mm. So is that why Scaloni's scared? Because it's obvious that, that Messi's past his best, and I was shocked that he actually started this game because there's no way he could possibly be 100% fit. So it's not actually what Messi's doing on the field that matters now. It's because he's there that the rest are going to be at 100%. So maybe he's thinking, well, when Messi's done, are the rest going to be able to perform the way they have been, winning a World Cup, winning in Brazil? I think that's what he's probably thinking.
1: They could bring in Ancelotti. Yeah. What a plot twist. Uh, thank you very much to the team and Gustavo. Much appreciated. So what it all means, Argentina top of World Cup qualifying. Brazil so bad, they are below Venezuela. Vamos Venezuela! Passion, drive and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at eBayMotors.com. Edge items only. Exclusions apply.
6: During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop. Powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals. Liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at alienware.com slash deals that's alienware.com slash deals
1: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all don't search match And listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com/fc. Just go to indeed.com/fc right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com/fc. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Liverpool taking on Manchester City this weekend. I tell you what, it's been a good international break for Jurgen Klopp's players. Don Hutchinson joins us. He used to play for Liverpool. Oh, it's exciting, Don. Going into the City game, everyone's scoring.
7: Yeah, I love that Brazilian-Argentina chat. But yeah, it's it's going to be amazing. Well, I'm I mean, glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. it was, every day's a school day. It was, it was very enjoyable. Um, no, I, listen, this, this is going to be a great game. Um, Liverpool go into the game in form. I mean, they've put that Tottenham loss to bed, haven't they? That, that, that shambles Tottenham loss a couple of months ago. And since then, the form has been great. City have stuttered a little bit. They you know they walloped Bournemouth, I think, was 6-1 and then struggled in the last game, the 4-4 against Chelsea. So it just promises to be with all their firepower, Man City, and all their quality, on top of what Liverpool have got to offer going forward. It could be an amazing game. What do you do with Nunez, Don? Do you start him given that he's got good form going into this? I'd play him all the time, Dan. I think it's the only way you're going to give him confidence. I think if you if you drop Darwin Nunez when he's had a bad day at the office and he's missed one or two, I don't think he lacks confidence. But what you wouldn't want to do is take him out of the team. Then he's got to try and double fight his way back into it. Then what I mean by that is when he comes on the game after, he's then trying too hard and he's running too hard and he's snatching chances. I think what you do with Darwin Nunez, and bear in mind, this is only his fourth season at, at, at the very highest level. So he's still a novice, really. I think, I don't know if the lads agree, but I think with Darwin Nunez and that type of player you keep playing him, because he's going to make mistakes, but if you keep playing him, he's going to score. But what do you
3: do? Like you think Luton and all that mess that he made there, Stevie? Hey, everybody takes their knocks, regardless of what position. If you're three yards from goal in an empty net and you miss it, then you're going you're to get it in the neck more than, more than defenders or, or midfielders. But those are the things that you have to overcome, and when you do overcome them, then it makes you a better player. The next time you're in that position, you go about it in a different manner. So, the way to do that is to play games. OK. And so I'm absolutely with Don. Right. He, has to, he, he needs Klopp to turn around to him and say, you, I want you to be our centre
1: forward. But why so, hasn't it? Why has he been so reluctant to do that? Well, I think when you have... You've got Salah, you've got Gakpo. I mean
3: that. Jota. Yeah, you, 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 you yes. struggle
1: to list them? You know, he's it's not exactly or, you're fighting you got five with the players. You've got best three strike. from
3: five. What do you mean I'm struggling to list them? Well, you did.
1: That's you, because you got a bad, exactly. bad memory. <laughs> he's got three from five. You hate Liverpool so much now, yeah. you can't even name the
3: place. He's, he's got three from five. So when you've, got all those, when you've got all those choices and there's not that much between all of them other than, other than Salah, really, then you're going to use them. But in order for this guy to go to the next take the next step right, and good. be the guy that we think for the tools he has it's possible he can be absolutely fantastic how much has games sorry Steve. how much
4: is it in his head i think it is and honestly you just have to watch the Uruguay game against Bolivia, in which mm. he takes the first goal. That first su- goal brilliant. Such confidence. Uh, there was no doubt that that ball was going into the back of the net in the manner in which he took it. And it was a ball that was coming with some pace from Peliza when he cut it back. And Darwin Nunez just simply had no time to think, just react and do what becomes instinctive, what comes natural to you. In his second goal, the third goal for Uruguay, He actually sees the whole play develop. Goes to the far post. That ball gets then played back to him. He knows he's wide open. It's only three yards from goal. And it's a a free header, essentially. He misses the header. Ends up scoring off of the shoulder sort of thing, kind of chest-shoulder combination. To your point and to your question, the only way that you have this contrast is because in the easy chances, he's thinking about it. And there's too much time for too many ideas to go through his head. Whereas in the difficult ones, and if you go back to the goals that he has scored for Liverpool, a lot of them are tight angles, sort of uh, half a chance kind of thing. Or he gets around a player and hits it and puts a side netter off the post. And in. you kind of go, huh? Is that the same guy that just missed a sitter? Yes. And what you're finding from him is that he has difficulties with the easy ones, the tap ins, the layups, my kind of range. Darwin, that Darwin,
7: that
4: <laughs> let's trade careers. I'll do you, you do me. It's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of the easy ones, you take care of the hard ones. And the truth of the matter is, you find in Darwin Nunez, a guy that is a pain in the backside to play against because he's always proving, he's always testing the back line, he's always trying to run beyond the defenders. And you saw it against Argentina and how. In running past Otamendi like he wasn't even there, and that engine that he has, that motor that he has, you love to have a player like that on your team because you know you can always play that ball over the top and he's going to go challenge it for you.
3: And for that reason, that's why you play him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Even when he's not scoring, because he's going to contribute. I mean, we're, we're talking about the Arsenal goalie situation. We've got Shaka talking about the goalie where, where Elvi's thinking about as well. If I make a mistake, then I'm not playing the next game. Think about it that way. That's what's probably going through this guy's head. Because of, the fi- because of the 3 for 5 because he knows that if he misses chances then, the- then the- he's got two other choices apart from him that's the best way to think about the situation he's in right now what's the score going to be on saturday don oh
7: great question
3: obviously thank you. i'm going to be it's liverpool t- took me a lot to well think done, of Dan. It. <laughs> thank
1: you very much <laughs> <laughs> it's a 12:30 kickoff, by the way <laughs> yeah liverpool
7: tend to struggle at 12:30s away from home but i'm going to go a 1-1 draw
1: Oh, well, there we go. Um, we'll be discussing this more at length, of course, as kickoff approaches this weekend. Uh, meanwhile, for Chelsea, we've talked at length about their lack of striker and Kunku back training with the side we are hearing, of course, returning from the knee injury. Obviously, it's important, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but, Don, <laughs> what I'm intrigued about is as someone who's come back from a knee, a- knee injury, psychologically, how. How do you put yourself back into challenges at at 100%, running at 100%? How difficult is that bridge to cross?
7: It's hard, Dan. I've done my ACL and I was out for 10 months. And I come back after nine. And I played a behind-closed-doors game um, in about nine months, uh, nine and a half months. And all I could do in my mind was just try and complete the 90 minutes. And I had no confidence in twisting and turning and striking the ball and taking a challenge. And I struggled through the game. Then the next game came and i have done a little bit more and I tried a little bit more. What he needs, and I had a guy called Thomas Repka at West Ham, great teammate, mad as a hatter, one of the one of the maddest I've ever played with in my life. And I was we were doing a seven v seven, and one of the drills in the seven v seven was, and just going off the back of Christopher Conco how important he is and how good he is. Was one of the drills was yellow versus reds, and I had this sort of like um, black bib on. And my bib was essentially no one could touch me and I was playing for both sides. So you can't fail to have a good game because you're only playing for the team (laughs) that's got the ball. If you give the ball away, you're then playing for the other team. So Thomas Repka's head's come off because he knows I'm having a good game for both teams. He's clattered me, Dan, in the worst tackle you've ever seen on a training ground. He lifted me 10 foot up in the air. I landed on my knee and bam, like that, I was back. And that's exactly oh, really? what I needed. So that was the yeah, trigger. yeah, it's what you need. I don't Just think that's med- in any
1: books, though, is it? <laughs> no, it's not in any books. But psychologically,
7: that's what you need as a player. Because right. listen, when you go through, I could bore you to death about the steps and the straight line running and the walking, then twisting and turning, and then going yeah, through different that. speeds. No, no, I won't do that. But when, when it comes to game time, what you can't replicate is someone putting a tackle in on you because your teammates, by the way, who have lived this sort of nine and a half months' journey with you are scared stiff of touching you, apart from Thomas Repka. So everyone's sort of dancing around you a little bit. And what you need, you need clattered because you need, you need to know how to fall again and you need to know how to ride a tackle again. And then once you do that and then you're back, you're away. And that's exactly how I felt.
1: How do you use to help players coming back, Stevie, when you are coaching them? So, well, everybody's different. Oh, really? Aye. I see everybody's different. So, like, kicking Don worked for him, but not necessarily everyone. Co-
3: correct, yeah. I mean, and it depends on the injury as well. So, it's, there's, no, there's not a formula other than just common sense and, and following the doctor's orders. And then after that, it's a little bit of trial and error with challenges and things like that. So, yeah, there's, there is no real
4: formula. Uh, there, are, there are also players, by the way, that are, I wouldn't say that they're all too happy that they're injured, but they want to make sure that they're, overly cautious that they want to make sure that they go through right. the whole process and until they don't feel absolutely completely 100 percent back they don't want to take a chance now there are other players that they're knocking on the door all the time say so can i go, can i go do this can i go do this can i can i start cutting can i start because they they want to get going is this is this is their life source it's, it's their blood and and they want to get out there as soon as possible and so somewhere in between is the is ideal because you can be, you, you got to be cautious with a major knee injury but at the same time you want a guy that is willing to get back and get back on the field as soon as possible so that indeed he can go through the challenges, he can go through the 50-50, through the duels and whatever the case may be, can get over the initial fear and let's go, let's move on with our lives.
1: Uh, so that's Chelsea against Newcastle, should be a cracker. Meanwhile this weekend we see two of the most informed teams in the Premier League going head to head, Stevie. Do you know who that is? <laughs> I'm going to guess Man United. Against Everton. Everton, yeah. Exactly. Sense. Everton, of <laughs> course, come into the game their first tie since that 10-point deduction which sees them second from bottom. Both teams in good form uh, going into this class. If you're United, this is particularly the best time to be facing Everton, I imagine, Don. <laughs> no. Uh, no, not, not what's... Um,
7: What's going to happen, I think, at Goodison on Sunday, I was I was seeing some fans and looking at some forums tonight and I'd seen some interviews, and apparently what they're going to do, the fans, they want to try and generate interest in, obviously, the points deduction. They want to take it a little bit stronger, so they're going to try and fly a plane, apparently, over the Liverpool-Man City game on Saturday, and then on the Sunday into the, the Man United game, they're going to have, I think, 30,000 cards that the fans are going to hold up. They're going to ask Man United fans to hold up cards as well in a sort of mini-protest, but... There's going to be fireworks. There's going to be flares. It's going to be hostile. They've said it's going to be like a bear pit. So if you're Man United, you better bring your A game. And it's a game that I've not seen probably probably once, I think, when they played Arsenal very early on the season. Apart from that, Man United have been woeful to watch. They're scraping by. They're winning 1-0s against Luton's and Fulham's. They're not playing well. So they better be prepared for a hostile Goodison on Sunday. Otherwise, I mean, I'm going for an Everton win. And there's no bias just because I know what it's like when Everton fans turn it on and how hostile it can be against the United side that I've seen all season not
1: playing well. United looking to bring their A game then. Don will be bringing his C game, as usual, to extra time. You can check that out over on our YouTube Very channel. Uh, be sure to join us as we answer some of your questions. <coughs> Meanwhile, FA Cup is at the second round stage. That will be December the first. When's that? That's next week, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Great. Week on Friday. We'll see York City take on Wigan, uh, Alfreton Town against Walsall, Gillingham against Charlton. Can't believe you're asking me. <laughs> well, I, don't think, I don't know why I looked at you. Eastleigh, Reading, Shot, Stockport, Chesterfield, Leyton Orient. Wimbledon against Ramsgate, and also live on December the third at 10:45. It's Wrexham against Yeovil Town. Ali, you didn't have a chance to shout at Serginho Dess yesterday, you are off.
4: <laughs> well, I think plenty of people have shouted at Serginho Dess, but the truth of the matter is, it, it, this is so unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. And, you, OK, it's petulant behaviour, of course it is. Why are you doing this? The game is not calling for it, you're in full control. 3-0 in the first leg, 1-0 up here. People are holding you back and you keep going. It's immature, it's petulant, it's unnecessary, and it's something that I think none of the players would appreciate it and certainly not. I'm guessing Berholter would have, if he was concerned about the attitude of Gio Reyna earlier in the relationship, he's got to be concerned about this as well.
1: Ali, you're not one to mince your words. Yeah? How would you treat a young teammate who did that? Ah, I mm, don't know. question's a bit...
3: I mean, I, I, I think to turn around and say a young... OK. Because Reginho right. Dest
1: yeah. has had a lot of experience okay. over the last years. Yeah, he's four, 23, four that's years. fair. Barcelona, Milan, Ajax, yeah? Yeah. yeah so OK. It's, yeah. How, would you, how would you treat a teammate who did
4: that? Well, and, and first of all, it would be it would depend on what my relationship is with the player to begin with. If we are close, roommates, whatever the case may be, if we have a good relationship we can have a far more open conversation. That could potentially be a back and forth. Okay. Uh huh. If we're not close, if we're not tight, and this guy has been annoying me for a while because has had this sort of behavior, right. and it, it, we, we have seen it coming, and it's part of his makeup. The gloves are off, basically. Then at that point, you are bringing it to his attention, and it's not a back and forth. It's a one-way conversation, and you're just gonna take it. And if you don't like it, I don't care because it's gonna keep coming. Uh, very similar to the way you speak to Seb, really. <laughs> yes, well, this is this is very Seb behaviour. No, come on. It's a little Sebby. Wow. There's a little Seb in that behaviour. Wow. A little, you know, pitching a fit sort of thing.
1: <laughs> that's that's
4: uh, Surely Sergio Des has luggage. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> I, I uh, hope so. We bring up Sebby, of course, because he was uh, with Herc live after uh, the US victory against Trinidad and Tobago over those two legs. Uh, be sure to check out that latest edition of Football Americas. Uh, that's it then. That brings us to the end of today's show. Be sure to stay tuned though. Don is back with us. Ali and Stevie as well as Extra Time is next. Welcome in to latest edition of Extra Time. Don, is. how's your international break been, Don? It's been
7: all right. It's been a bit boring. Not no. much footy going on. I've not... I'm not tempted to be tempted to watch too many international games, so looking forward to the Prem being back, Dan.
1: So I was just, you just had some lovely time with your family? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 just about, yeah. Loads of arguments, loads of, bikes, loads, loads of fights, loads of screaming uh, matches. The norm. Uh, do you want to hear my family story from sure. last night? Sure, go ahead. So we got in, Argentina-Brazil is obviously on. Right. Denise is watching it, supporting Brazil. Yeah. The boys don't really care about soccer, but because of the violent nature of the game, they were quite intrigued. Okay. It doesn't bode well for the future. Right. And for some <laughs> reason, Joshy, my youngest, decided to start supporting Argentina. Ooh. Ooh. But like, and it was really getting Ooh. under her skin, really getting. So much so, the second half, she went to another part of the house yeah. to watch the games because he was winding her up so far.
4: I, I, I wonder oh, where. I where yes, <laughs> uh, who in this house could Ooh. potentially be their source no, no. of this sort of behavior. Wow. No! Where, where in the G4, did he really find that?
2: Never
1: do that so much. It's like the Scooby Doo Liverpool on. <laughs> Uh, Scooby-Doo Masters, come off and it's Danny Thomas. For Ali, is this the worst Brazil squad in recent history? Without Neymar, they seem to have no creativity as a team and lack significant quality compared to their teams in previous years. We talked a lot about Brazil, can we give them any sort of excuse? There's no, what, Vinicius Junior, no Militao at the back, no Casemiro.
4: Can you kind of say that? Uh, You would be able to say that if it weren't Brazil. It is Brazil, right? and that's the standard. And this is the problem with Brazil, that given the, their own standard and the sort of players that they have had over the course of their history and recent history for that matter, then you look at this squad and you go, Emerson Royal is playing right back, who wasn't starting for Spurs. He is the starting right back for Brazil currently. Carlos Augusto is the left back. Who? Yeah, Carlos Augusto. And, and through this team, in every facet and every line of this team, there are names that you kind of go, is this the new open comment or is this just a band aid? Yes, a band aid, hoping that whenever somebody else gets back, then the problem gets resolved. Uh, most of all, this team has very little structure to it. And you could be able to get away with it in the past with Brazil because you were talented superior to everybody else in South America, that you could just outdo other teams offensively. And so therefore the structure of your team wasn't all that important because other teams, quite frankly, were afraid of you. Other teams are noticing what I'm noticing and they're like, oh, wait a minute, we can attack this team. We can get after them and they don't have much of a threat going forward. And so therefore, look, the fear is gone. You go and attack Brazil, you create problems against Brazil, you go and score goals, and they don't quite have a response. So to answer your question, yes, this is the worst Brazilian team I've seen in a long, long time. Don, welcome
1: back. I'm spending lovely time with your family. What's the percentage (laughs) chance that Stevie is the most hated man in Liverpool? (laughs) Oh, no, after his comments this week. Nah. Um, in, case you, in case you missed it, Don, a prominent uh, Liverpool website took a little bit of a discussion we had about Jurgen Klopp in which Stevie said Jurgen Klopp has to shut it. But that is the headline, and then he got a lot of abuse as a result.
7: Well, I was going to say one, but now he's told Jurgen Klopp to shut it, it's probably up to... <laughs> <laughs> it's, only, it's only two or three, I would imagine.
1: Who, who's in that... Co- like Michael Owen is not liked, you know, if we're talking about... Former Liverpool players, Don, is that fair? Because um, of going to Manchester United? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, who else is in there, Steve? I'm trying
4: to think who's who's not light. Yeah. So an we get another headline. Yeah.
3: <laughs> There's not many. No, There's many. Not many, no, really. No. I mean, I, I wouldn't say Mate Alone's not late. I think he's. He could have been there. Right. But he's probably just there. I mean, I don't. I don't think anybody would abuse him. People would still want his autograph and say hello to him. Oh, lovely. Maybe a selfie. Yeah, hmm. yeah I, don't, I can't think of So you, you're you number one? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you're tearing <laughs> that flag. <laughs> I guess I've gone
1: to the top,
3: most, I've gone, top one, Oh, my God.
1: You're the Craig Burley of Celtic. <laughs> you know? Oh, no. <laughs> oh,
4: no. The Craig Burley of anything is no. Uh,
1: Stevie, why do players still waste time in big games? It makes no sense since the ref will just add on time at the end. Wouldn't it be a better strategy to not waste any time so the game ends in 90 to 92 minutes? Well, I'm, I'm going to say that, I think, regardless, the referees,
3: it seems as though they're going to have time on it anyway.
1: No, I don't think so. so. I don't yeah, think that's oh, fair. Absolutely. No, I don't think they're just going to have 10 well, minutes willy-nilly. So they're adding it for a reason. They don't want to be out there any so, longer than
3: anyone. So else. So, generally speaking, we'll get three minutes in, uh, in the first half, and 10 minutes in the second half. Well, there'd be a reason for that. Go- well, well,
1: but that's what I'm saying. You're going to tell me... Time-wasting. They're going to tell me that there's that bigger a disparity. There, there can be. If I've got an injury <laughs> in the 72nd minute. What kind well, of injury do you have, Dan? What cramp 72nd minute. <laughs> really are, you get it for a
3: while. <laughs> there really are times when I talk to you when I just know you have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Oh. So,
4: oh,
3: I'm just telling <laughs> you. Oh, dear. That's, that's the thinking. <laughs> They're going to add it anyway, particularly in the second half. Right. So you know what? I'm just gonna waste time, man. And why
4: do players still waste time? Just watch the Argentina-Brazil game last night. Oh, where Bra- yeah. Argentina were masters of how yeah. to. Mimi Martinez when he went. Yes. He he actually tells whoever came close to him like you know like he pulls something yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They came out, took care of him, and magically. He stays on the field and they did that time and time again and the referee did not address it. They only had three added minutes in in the first half and six in the second half where it seemed like this game has a lot of stoppages and a lot of time and whatever else. To be fair, Brazil were taking the bait. Every single time. Well, yeah, but that we're talking Every about the referee and wasting time. It was a bit
1: Getafe-Barcelona. Do you remember like that, yes. that game where it yes. just everyone got under the skin? It, it, it was, the was it. There
4: was an Atletico Madrid
1: yeah, old, quality, yeah.
4: old school yeah. Atletico <laughs> Madrid quality to Argentina. Very yeah. much so. Um, Ali, how
1: disappointing is it that the next Commonwealth World Cup qualifiers aren't for another 10 months? Uh, it's
4: awful. Considering
1: how well Venezuela have been playing throughout this cycle. I'd use for them. Wouldn't you want less of a gap in between
4: <laughs> matches? This person's really
1: rubbing <laughs> it in. <Yeah. laughs>
7: well,
4: it's awful. It's awful. I, in, my, in my estimation, Mention what it does is a couple of things. If you're Venezuela, you got momentum on your side. And so, and, and any team that is in that sort of position, you want to continue to play because you don't want to give opportunities to for anybody else who's in and around in, around you in the standings or below you in the standings to get themselves right and 10 months allows a team to get themselves right whether it's by a coaching change player change players coming back from injury all those things that venezuela right now is taking advantage of and exposing some of the frailties of peru paraguay bolivia chile those teams now have an opportunity to get themselves right where they didn't before so yes if it were me and I were in that lo- Venezuelan locker room. I would want to play tomorrow and the day after, and the day after that. You assume that Brazil is going to be better than what they have been. That wouldn't be the case if they play right now. I don't know where this has come from.
1: For Stevie, how do you forgive Dan for winding you up so much? Mm. Never <laughs> you ever thought he crossed the line and has Dan apologized. Love the dynamics, like an annoying kid brother and his older brother. More grandfather, grandson. <laughs> well, it's really simple. It's really simple.
3: <laughs> I can get carried away and get into it. Yes, and you just know what button to press. That's uh, really the bottom line. But
1: no one ever takes any personally, do you? I don't. Even, no. I think that's the key to the whole the whole success of this show, isn't <laughs> it? That everybody gets on well. But you can If you did
3: it seriously, then I mean, uh, we'd end up rolling around the ground. Were you at the bottom of the pile, getting smashed up? <laughs> <I> mean,
1: <laughs> if you want to it, be basic about it. <laughs> I don't think there's ever time we'd be rolling around on the ground together, yeah, is there, Stephen? Wouldn't worry,
3: it would be rolling, you'd be, you'd be on the ground. Then. Yes, very
1: <laughs> much so. Uh, what is your favourite, Ali, Thanksgiving dish? Be it meat, side, sauces, or do you only eat shepherd's pie? Oh, this is for Stevie. Which is basically the entire meal baked into one dish. Ali, of Don, I don't know if it's Thanksgiving in the UK, but use your imagination. Okay, Ali. You
3: you can't beat a bit of turkey with a nice bit of gravy on it. I think you can.
1: No. If If turkey was so good, we'd have it
3: every week. No, but, well, hold on a second. Right. I don't have turkey every week. In fact. The only time I will have turkey is probably Thanksgiving. Exactly my I point. Exactly it.
1: my point. So that's so what I'm so saying. If, if there's nothing better really, oh than oh turkey a with a bit of sauce, oh, why would you only have that. it once a year? Hold on a second. For
3: Stevie, for Don? <laughs> no, you're not it's So shut up. No, I'm just <laughs> I'm just trying to get this so, into so, so, the fact so that. I nothing don't really better than touch turkey with turkey. sauce. That's why I only have it so, once a year. Yes, turkey with a lovely bit of gravy mm. is fantastic.
4: Why do you only have it once a year then? I would say from the southern cuisine, the turkey dressing, which is different what they usually serve up north. You got to go down south for that. So
1: what uh, does that dressing entail?
4: But well, I'm not quite sure because I don't fix it. But is it oh.
1: spicy? Is no, it no, no,
4: no, like... but you know, yeah, the, the, the dressing sometimes, what they do is either they stuff it in the turkey and all that, uh, none, none of that. It, down south, they fix it differently and it is much better than the yeah, other You're not
1: versions. really giving us an insight to well, what because, it is, what's well, it taste? what's it taste
4: like, man? It's delicious <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> but, oh, soup... up, yeah. <laughs> sweet potato souffle. Sweet ah, potato. there we go, Sweet there we, we go. It's a, a winner. Lovely. Uh, pecan pie is also a winner. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Don't, don't, don't. You don't get you out of the supermarket. <laughs>
7: <laughs> Ali's going to chin <cheat> him.
4: <laughs> you know, don't walk into my house with that sort of attitude. Oh, yeah. My southern lovely wife will oh. have a problem with that with, sort of with, attitude. With that sort of. <laughs> I've, got, I've had a whole host of guests in
1: the past at Thanksgiving. Yeah. I've had Mariner, yeah. Stuart Robson, yeah. Casey Keller, Ooh. Frank LaBeouf. Okay. All there, all there. Oh, what about this year? This year? No, this year's a quieter year. It's just me and the family. It'll be lovely. But this isn't about me, as people keep saying. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> uh, Don, Thanksgiving start... dinner's yeah. like Christmas dinner, basically. What's your favourite you bit of that? S-
7: you actually sound disappointed there when you went, yeah, just me and the wife. Just me and the wife. <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> <desperate> <laughs> right. Right, Don't, the don't start. It's been a boring couple of weeks for the family. Funny, <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> uh, think Sunday dinner. But um, but I take it to a northern, I put a lot of northern element in where I have chicken, gammon, (laughs) but loads of mint sauce on. I have to put mint sauce on. Love mint
1: sauce. (laughs) So, um, producer Mike's asking what gammon is. Go on. Like like a ham. There you are, like a ham. Sometimes with a pineapple. No, that's like putting pineapple on a pizza. No, no,
3: it's definitely coming oh, to the fine I go down little. that route. As a kid, if you had if you had a gammon steak, it was big time. Yeah. Oh really? I was like, a, just, had, it was like, posh, a real posh treat. Yeah.
1: What about southern? How would they do the
4: yeah. gammon? <laughs> well, differently. <laughs> but more delicious. <laughs> yeah. How would it taste? It's delicious. Uh, they... I think it's based on cornbread and oh, and well yeah. uh,
1: you, you asked me. Well, yeah, now you're just filling in yeah. the gaps. You don't really know what you're saying. Yeah. Well, no, I don't. But it's delicious.
4: <laughs> you asked me what I ate. You didn't ask me how to fix it.
1: Uh, Don, will you do anything special for Thanksgiving tomorrow? No, working, Dan.
7: Walking. Oh, so so I'll, just... I'll, I'll be on Chelsea, Newcastle, and then Juve Inter. What, Sunday. To, what tomorrow? tomorrow? Oh, sorry, I'm getting ahead. No, where are we? Tomorrow I'm golfing. I'm golfing all tomorrow. Right, I'm cu- right. Beautiful. Who are you golfing with? Just a couple of pals, and then I'll have Is a your nice... friend
1: McAteer having a boxing match with Roy Keane? <gasps>
7: He's got himself in a world of trouble, hasn't he?
1: Is that happening? Have you seen
7: it? No, it's not happening. No. It's a bit of a. It's a bit of a. I don't think Roy would take it on. But, uh, it's, Jason's got himself in a world. He called him a clown on air, and it's just gone viral. And oh, he's he's more or less said the only way to fix it. Jason said <laughs> this. The only way to fix it is to get me and Roy Keane in the boxing ring. And it's just gone viral. Wow! There you go. Who called who a clown? Jason called Roy a clown.
1: Oh, dear. Oh, well, there yeah. you go. Know, never see that sort of thing on this yeah, show. Yeah, that sort of behaviour. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Unruly. Uh, uh, that is it. We'll be back for Thanksgiving, me, Stevie, and Craig. What a wonderful way to oh. enjoy the day. is <laughs> Craig's coming in. Of course he is. Oh, Judy chappy. Cheryl made sure he's coming in. <laughs> <Now> you can <laughs> Off you go. Uh, we will be then back tomorrow. Be sure to... Jo- oh, have a lovely Thanksgiving, Ali. What Thank you. Doing? You too. You're having pecan pie. That is is the only punishment here.
3: Now streaming.